Welcome to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, a student of permaculture, a person who knows cheap food is not cheap, and someone excited about the Mill City. What about mealing in the Mill City? Um, excited about Artisan Grain Collaborative. And on today's show, we're going to be talking with grain farmers Mark Askegaard and Beth, his daughter, uh, Miller, West Gardner from Bakersfield Flower, and a baker, Michelle Huggins, um, and she's with Dope Creation. Um, growing processing and baking local food. I mean, what a concept, right? Um, in studio with me is Keith Williams, and he's with the Artisan Grain Collaborative. Welcome to Food Freedom Radio. Hey, Laura. Thanks for having me here. Thanks. So, I mean, this is so important and vital work. Um, but tell us a little bit about your personal background. Sure, sure. So I'm a plant breeder by training. Um, I trained as a wheat breeder, worked as a corn breeder for a while. So I kind of got into all of this from the research and development side. Um, I did that for a number of years, and more recently, I've uh, joined the AGC, and within the Artisan Grain Collaborative, um, I work as their uh, lead for the Research and Variety Testing Working Group. So we look at uh, genetic diversity in crops uh, and grains and how some of these things can bring value to these uh, stakeholders that are part of the AGC. And why is this important? So really, um, what the AGC does is very important on a larger scale because the Artisan Grain Collaborative as a nonprofit is working to bring together stakeholders to develop these regional grain sheds. So systems where growers that want to produce uh, specific types of grains that have maybe greater nutritional or flavor qualities can do so. There's a way for them to take those grains, sell them at a good price to processors like millers, maltsters, uh, who can then connect those milled products or processed products with bakers, brewers, distillers, folks that transform all of these things into the delicious foodstuffs that we all love and enjoy. And the reason that's so critical is by developing these markets and systems, it allows farmers to maybe include crops that they might not otherwise be able to in their rotation. It allows them to perhaps create more value so that they can transition into organic or regenerative practices that help support the resiliency of the production system in the region. And that's the really exciting part of what we're doing. Well, it's this is so vital, and I want to put it in two contexts. I mean, let's first talk about what's going on in the global world right now. And it's, it's very scary, but, um, I mean, Ukraine and Russia are responsible for 28% of the grain production in the globe. Hmm. So, I mean, what this that, – that, that's – that, that, that there is a um, – that having resilience means having a local food system. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. And, you know, people sometimes talk about what, what is local or regional. For the Artisan Grain Collaborative, we're talking about geographic areas where grains are produced, processed, and consumed. And we really focus on the Midwest. So our stakeholders are really centered um, from Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Iowa – up through the upper Midwest, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Minnesota. And we have, an, particularly in Minnesota, we have a very strong group of folks that are involved at like all levels of this value chain and sort of making the connections to allow these um, systems to flourish locally. And the second context that I really want to put this in is um, a growing understanding of um, the ecological problems with the industrial food system. Um, and uh, so uh, I'm going to have on the show um, in two weeks, David Montgomery and a Anna Bilkey, and they have a new book out called What Your Food Ate. Mm -hmm. And so one of the facts is that like 
in the industrial food system, half uh, it's really hurt uh, worms. <laughs> so, I mean, worms are important in our soil. And so if we have a system of growing food for billions of people that's not good for worms and not good for the um, whole of the system, that system's actually quite fragile. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that in in my work over the years, talking with growers, with farmers, there's there's different ways of looking at, at what soil is. And I feel like um, it really splits between folks that view soil as a renewable resource, something that we can support and maintain and develop long-term through things like organic and regenerative ag, ag practices. There's also um, maybe more of what is, you know, the larger commodity system where it's a bit of a mining operation. It's kind of looking at soil as a resource um, in a very sort of, um, I don't know, reductionist way. Reductionist and mechanicalistic, yeah. yeah. And and the thing about that reductionism and that mechanicalistic um, type of thinking is it, and this book does a really great job of doing it, so I'm really looking forward to the show I'm going to do in a couple of weeks, is it's not really all that scientific. I mean, the cutting edge science is that um, life is complex and living, and and when we and human hubris is is usually not a very um, doesn't give us the best outcomes in life. Yeah, yeah, that can be true. Um, you know, within the AGC and the work we do, many of the growers, not all of them, are organic or regenerative. There are conventional growers within the network, but even um, for those folks that are in a more conventional system, they are still concerned with soil health and. Part of the issue with the uh, large commodity system is it's scaled for very large-scale um, chemical-driven mechanized agriculture. And so when we want to have a smaller crop production run, you know, maybe a few acres or something that is below the scale of, you know, commodity, large-scale commodity, it's difficult to find processors and all the infrastructure to, you know, hold up the um, sort of the provenance of these grains and get them to, you know, a baker in the city that wants to make special right. artisan it, bread. That's why yeah. this work is so vital, and I'm sure it's been really, really difficult, too. Um, but the mission of the um, collaboration is to create diverse regional grain shed built upon regenerative agriculture practices that steward the health of communities, local economies, and natural resources. Yeah, exactly. We're again, trying to engage people at all levels instead of just focusing on one particular part of the value chain. And we found that it's really critical because um, you have to have people in conversation with one another, sort of pulling in the same direction, coordinating, because it is a very large um, large challenge to tackle for, for any one person. So what's been great is seeing how in the different states, in the different um, food shed regions, you have groups of people coming together to solve these problems. And so like the folks we're going to speak with today, we have, uh, you know, a farmer, a miller, and a baker who have all sort of, you know, been in communication, been working together here in the Twin Cities and sort of greater Minnesota area to make these things happen. Yeah, now I want the candlestick maker somehow. But <laughs> so tell us, tell us a little bit about the history and and how uh, and what is the Artisan Grain Collaborative? Sure. So the Artisan Grain Collaborative is a nonprofit. Um, there's over 170 stakeholder members. As I mentioned a few times earlier, these folks range from 
people doing variety development, sort of research and development work, which is kind of my background. Farmers, producers, um, processors, people that are milling, malting, um, bakers, brewers, distillers, people that are transforming these different kind of artisan grains into products that people want to buy. And then we also have a number of uh, members in the group who are advocates for these things out in the communities talking about how these resilient regional grain sheds can um, help support communities through programs like Neighbor Loaves, which has been a a really big success for the Artisan Grain Collaborative. Great. And on the website, you have a regional grain map. So talk about that. That's fun to see. It really is fun to see. Yeah. our, Our website has a number of resources. The map is very cool because you can go in and you can look at your area, um, whatever state you're in, in the Midwest here, and you can see a map of not just growers that are producing these sort of specialty artisan grains, um, but also the millers, the bakers, and just connect with your community and say like, oh, you know, I, I see that there is actually a mill I can go to and I can, you know, usually these folks are very accessible. You can call them up and talk to them. Um, you can learn a bit more about where your food's coming from. It's very transparent. Um, and so, um, and there's, so there's four areas. There's the research and variety testing, the brewing and distilling, the working on the collaborations for farmers, and um, procurement, helping institutional. So that's quite a, that's a big um, chunk of work that you guys are working on. Yeah, it is. Um, it, it's a lot to tackle, but it's a lot of fun. So each of those working groups you mentioned uh, have a, a lead. Again, I, I lead the research and variety testing working group because that's kind of my background and strong suit, but we have those other groups which bring together stakeholders and allow them to participate and sort of interact and, and work as a community around each of those particular topic areas, if that's what they're focused on. And we're going to take a break shortly, and we'll be talking with uh, grain farmers, um, Mark and Beth, in a little bit. But let's do a little pitch for there's a, a Kernza a festival coming up. Oh, sure. Yeah. When is that and how people can learn about that? So uh, the Kernza Fest is coming up June 18th, which, um, you know, so June 18th. Yeah, so, pretty, and that's, pretty soon here. That's one of the, and, and, and so what, these are perennial grains, they're great for soil, healthy for um, worms. So we want an egg system that works for worms. And that that's a really a fun egg system. So yeah. you're listening to Food Freedom Radio. We'll be back um, shortly. We're talking about Artisan Grain Collaborative. Sun is out and sky is blue and we're all going to be prudent. And um, and so uh, welcome back to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund and in studio with me is Keith Williams. He's with the Artisan Grain Collaborative. And joining us um, by phone right now is our uh, grain farmers, Mark and Beth Askar. Welcome to Food Freedom Radio. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having us. Okay, great. So tell us a little bit about your farm. Uh, it's a sixth generation farm. Uh, we farm small grains, uh, oil seeds, uh, and uh, flax seed, and um, we farm about 980 acres in the Red River Valley, south of Moorhead, Minnesota. And our farm is certified organic. This is our 25th year of organic production. Wow, um, that is so cool! Now, uh, do you have do you have worms on your soil? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have lots of earthworms. I have lots of earthworms. Yeah. 
Um, that's yeah. great. That's great. Um, and, and Keith, so uh, tell us, uh, so what is the partnership like between the Artisan Grain Collaborative and independent farmers? So really a lot of what the AGC does is we work to reach out and engage um, all these different stakeholders. And at, at the core of that really are the growers, the, the farmers like Mark and Beth that have these amazing operations focused on producing grain organically and not just um, any grain, but often very specific types of grain that bakers or millers are often asking for, but having difficulty finding. So, I mean, uh, really it's, it's work that is keystone to this whole idea of building these regional grain sheds, and it, it couldn't be done without folks like um, Mark and Beth. So, um, Mark and Beth, six, six generations of farming. Um, what is it like being on your land? Um, it's a joy every day of knowing that you're your own independent boss, uh, doing what you love, being out in the fresh air, and, uh, yeah, it, it's just really invigorating and exciting. Yeah, it's great to work with nature. And I always think it's so cool to think about how the tractor that I'm in in the field right now used to be horses in that same field 100 years ago and seeing how far we've come with agriculture and yet how things are still kind of the same in many ways, too. And what are, what is, um, what are the markets like for, you, for your uh, for your uh do you consider your products commodities? Um, yes and no. Uh, in working with the Artisan Grain Collaborative, a lot of the grains that we're growing are grown specifically for the end user or the miller or the baker because they know what they like to see in the products that they produce and how the taste and feel and texture of the product is. So they'll specify which grains they would like us to grow if possible. But uh, there again, there's other things like soybeans, which are more of a commodity. Um, but yeah, the Artisan Grain Collaborative really helps in I, you know, making the whole complete circle work for our farm operation. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's inspiring to see what Mark and Beth are doing on the farm there because um, I, think, I think they're kind of modest about it. There's the work with the AGC and the local millers, but they also, you know, direct market some of their products. And if you go into some of the local co-ops here in Minneapolis, you can see their flax and some of their other things. So it's a lot of work to do that. I think um, not being a farmer myself, it's a lot more effort to make things like that happen than to just um, produce a, a typical commodity grain and take it to the elevator. But, you know, Mark, Beth, mm -hmm. correct me if I'm wrong there. No, uh, you're... Absolutely correct. Um, it does take a lot more work, but we get a lot of value out of knowing that people value what we do. So that gives us an incentive to kind of change the system. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I love this. Um, and I, I tell people the spelling of your name because in the website they can go to because there are some really good recipes on your website. Well, thank you. Um, our farm name is Askegard Organic Farm, and that's spelled A-S-K-E-G-A-A-R-D. Organic Farm. And anyone knows if you're, you can listen to our podcast and reverse it if you want to hear it again, if you want to spell it again. But the other thing you that I liked on your website is there's some great information about the nutritional qualities of flax and some details yeah, yeah, about that. It, yeah, there's many benefits in the consuming flax seeds. Um, it has uh, 
high in omega-3 fats, which are lacking in most modern diets. Um, it's high in fiber, which is good for many multiple reasons that people should consume extra fiber. And then it has lignans in it that are cancer-fighting lignans, which uh, there's more lignans in flaxseed than there is in any other plant. So it's very beneficial in preventing things like breast cancer and prostate cancer and other forms of cancers. Mm-hmm. And it also helps lower cholesterol. It's good for your heart. Yeah, we have a lot of customers who use our flaxseed for lowering their cholesterol. A lot of research has been done showing that many consumers can lower their cholesterol by 20 to 30 percent by consuming flaxseed every day. And there's some cutting edge um, new information coming out. And so I guess the from uh, I'm going to have uh, David Montgomery and Ann Bilkey on and they have a new book out called What Your Food Ate. And they're talking about micro, microbial ecology. I'm not saying that correctly. But the idea of industrial farming um, and what humans have understood about growing food what we're learning now is that um, 100 years ago, there was, a, there was a lot more wisdom to, to a lot of the ways the food, is, food was produced. And, and it, it does industrial health, industrial farming may not be the healthiest way to feed ourselves. That's correct. Yeah, agriculture has changed you know, tremendously over the last several decades and how our grains and vegetables and produce are grown. Uh, and not a, not always for the better. Uh, soil health is should really be the driving force in 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 agriculture. I'd say because it's if you have healthy soil, you're going to have healthy plants, and then you'll have healthy people and animals. Yeah, that's. Um, I mean, I, I was really amazed when I, I first met Mark and, and Beth and visited because. Um, I came out of more of a conventional background with a lot of heavy chemical inputs and the idea that the soil health improved the health of the plants so much that it reduced the need for use of fungicides and things was just amazing to see in practice and, and on a large scale on a lot of acres. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, uh, that's the same. There's a lot of research around the globe that is actually showing that this no-cost natural farming um, can produce healthy food um, in, 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 in a vital way um, that's sustainable. And also, let's talk about the local economy. Um, how, is, how, is, how is producing these type of foods, does it generate um, better local economic conditions for people in the state of Minnesota and beyond? Yes, it absolutely does. Every dollar that's spent on buying local foods gets turned over in the local economy. So it benefits everybody in that economy, in the local region, when somebody purchases a product that's grown locally and not being shipped overseas or having some big corporation uh, export all the money to a different uh, state or uh, country. Yeah. um, I mean, with that, Mark, I don't know if if you want to mention, like, Linkert or any of the specific grains you're working with. I, you know, I know I see those here in Minneapolis in the city being advertised. Yeah, uh, Bakersfield Flour and Bread and uh, West Gardner are using our products along with Lana Bread. And uh, they specifically uh, requested us to grow a certain variety of wheat called Linkert for them. Uh, they like the taste of that wheat. And it's a Minnesota grown or Minnesota bread variety. So it's kind of like keeping the whole production system local. Um, University of Minnesota developed the variety. We grow the variety here in Minnesota, and then it's milled and baked 
in in the state of Minnesota. So it kind of completes the whole circle of uh, this regional grain shed. The regional grain shed is awesome. Now, Beth, um, we've heard a lot about um, farmers are getting old and young people aren't going into farming. I, I just want to, uh, uh, you're, a, you're a sixth generation farmer. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Well, growing up on the farm, I've always had a passion for farming. I feel like it's something I was born to do. It's in my blood. On the same scale, I've noticed a lot of other people without any background in agriculture at all who have become increasingly aware of the food they're eating and what they're putting in their bodies. And so I think we are seeing a wave of the next generation who's interested in sustainable farming practices, who has an interest in organic agriculture. Um, I think it's, it's really promising to see. But as you said, most farmers, and I'll just say conventional type commodity farmers are aging out and I think it's important that younger people get involved and become educated on growing practices and ways that we're going to take a break and we're going to come back we'll be talking with Bakersfield's flowers but do you want to give us your website one more time yep AssieGardOrganicFarm.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, uh, Beth and um, and Mark Assigard, and have an awesome day. Yeah, thank, thank you. you so you much. Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, a student of permaculture, a person who knows cheap food is not cheap, and someone excited about the Mill City and milling in the Mill City. Um, and we had a fun conversation uh, last segment with grain farmers Mark and Beth Askegaard. And um, in studio with me is Keith Williams with the Arson Grain Collaborative. And now joining us by phone is, um, is, a, is a miller, Wes Gardner, with Bakersfield Flower. Welcome to Food Freedom Radio. Hello, thanks for having me. Thank you. So I know I'm familiar with you in the Northeast Food Building there, but tell us a little bit about uh, Bakersfield Flour. Sure. So we are uh, almost six years old now. Uh, We've been uh, milling bread and flour since 2016. And overall, we are a wholesale bread and flour operation. We sell um, our flour to the greater Twin Cities metro area, and slowly but surely we're expanding that a little bit here and there uh, to restaurants, fellow bakeries, uh, and the natural food co-ops here in the Twin Cities. Uh, we also sell uh, naturally leavened bread uh, to those same restaurants and uh, grocery stores. Um, we buy all of our uh, grain from local family farms, uh, including uh, Mark Assegards, Um and we have six farmers that we work with. Four of them are from uh, Minnesota, and two are from uh, North Dakota, just outside of Fargo area. So we mill every day, uh, we bake every day, and we uh, we believe that fresh flour is uh, really the only flour that everyone should use. Right, and so that's one of the big differentials, is that you have fresh flour, whereas the flour that you buy on the shelf is not always the freshest. How does that, yeah, what's correct. the difference? I'm sorry? Yeah, what's the difference between your flour and conventional flour? Yeah, so we, I mean, the freshness is the main difference. Um, We mill, like I said, two orders. So the flour that you see on the retail store shelves or the flour that our restaurants are getting has been milled within that week. Um, And 
the difference there between some of the conventional flowers is that you know they mill very large quantities so that they can uh, uh, keep the price down and and ship as much as possible all at once. Um, and we you know we just ship uh, a few bags here and there to whoever asks for it. Um, we view uh, flour, fresh flour, as a produce item. You know, it's going to stale and lose flavor over time. And when you think of it that way, um, and then you taste the difference, uh, we really think that there's no way of going back to the old flour. How can people find your products? Uh, so we have a website, bakersfieldflour.com. You can order uh, bulk bags there as well as some four-pound bags of all of our varieties. Um, that's through pickup at Kieran's Kitchen, which is the retail store and food building. Um, and then if you live in Minneapolis or St. Paul, uh, the natural food uh, co-ops uh, stock most of our flowers as well. So why is, uh, t- t- uh, I think most of us know the history. Uh, Minneapolis was built on the Mill City. <laughs> why is local milling, and, and your mission to bring back um, local milling to the Minneapolis area, why is this vital work? Um, that's a great question. Um, well, yeah, we, um, you know, I was not there when we first uh, had the, the brainstorm to, to start this up again, but we were the first commercial flour mills since um, the large ones had shut down in Minneapolis. Um, and really the, the, the reason for doing that was just to get as close to the source as possible. Um, our original head baker, Steve Horton, was, had owned uh, a bakery here in uh, Minneapolis for um, a little over a decade, and he just wanted to get closer. Um, he, he had tasted some fresh flour, and I think he just uh, knew the difference there. So, um, but, you know, as we've been working with our farming partners for the last six years, it's just, um, when you can talk directly with the people that are growing the grain, uh, it's just, it just really completes the story, uh, completes the circle. And, um, when you think of it as people growing this food, um, you just, you can't get any more vital than that. So, yeah, um, thanks for sharing that, Wes. I, I think one of the interesting things is the the need for right-sized scaling in these systems. Uh, earlier, I, I've used the word infrastructure several times in talking about the work AGC does, and um, you know where where you fit into it as millers. And I think. Um, a lot of it is like what you were saying, Wes, you can talk to your growers. Much of the existing commodity system built around grains is intentionally designed to anonymize things for efficiencies of scale. And so um, it, it would be difficult for a grower like the ASCII guards, if they, even if they wanted just on their own to produce a field of organic linker wheat, if they were doing that without a mill like Bakersfield, which is sized appropriately to take the type of production they're working on, they wouldn't necessarily have a buyer or even a way to process it. Um, And so these connections and conversations between all of the folks involved in this value chain around grains is really critical. Um, Not every state has a mill like Bakersfield. Um, So like Michigan, for example, doesn't have a parallel to Bakersfield. And I've had conversations with bakers who have said, 
we would really like to connect with farmers and ask them to grow a specific wheat for us, but we have no mill here. And so they, they can't, mm-hmm. they just can't in that state at this point. Um, and that's why we're very fortunate in many, uh, Minnesota and Minneapolis to have Bakersfield. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, I wish we could take in more, actually. We, uh, we get calls every, you know, six months during harvest time. Uh, you know, hey, we have some organic grain. Would you like to take it? And I was like, every time I'm, I'm just like, I would, but, um, you know, we we're we're we are small. You know, we do take the grain up forty pounds at a time and dump it into the mill. So, um, yeah, we are not scaled to do a large amount. Um, but I think that's um, I think that works for us very well. It works for our farming partners really well. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's it makes a really great product. And to clarify, when when Wes says we take the grain up, he means there are people literally grabbing a pail with 40 pounds of grain, walking it up a ladder and dumping it into the middle. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, you know, I, this is this is so vital work. I don't think, you know, uh, to, to really um, understand, it, it's, about, um, it's about relocalizing, but it's also about owning the means of production. And it's about um, a living economy based on human scale and and based on um a, a respect for nature and a respect mm-hmm. for each other and and food and and, and again I, I love this word anti-fragile meaning right now the industrial food system is is fragile and that's very scary i mean we know what's going on in ukraine um uh, but and then the problems with the industrial food system um is tremendous and so but to try to compete with that is very powerful action, but it's it's not always easy, is it? It's yeah. it's it's been it's been a challenge, has it not? It has, and uh, just a little story there with with uh, how vital it can be for the the small time folks who are doing this. Um, you know, it it's weird to say it, but COVID and and the pandemic has really done wonders for Bakersfield and these small producers because um, when uh, in 2020, in March, uh, when it first the first wave started coming, there was no flour on the shelves at any grocery stores, and uh, so people started looking towards these small millers. And our flour production literally went through the roof. We had a couple weeks in early 2020 where our flour sales were increasing by a thousand percent each week, um, and that's because people couldn't find the commodity flour. Um, and we were kind of insulated in a way uh, because we had these direct relationships with the growers that could bring us that grain when we needed it so that we can get out the door as fast as possible. Um, it, was, it wasn't efficient at the time. It was kind of crazy, but um, it's one example of, of how we um, are not as fragile at times as the larger infrastructure. So in the last segment, uh, we talked with grain farmers, um, and in the next segment, we're going to talk with a baker. But I want to give you a chance, again, to say your website and how people can buy your uh, flour. Yeah, so uh, bakersfieldflour.com uh, will take you to our website there to get some information about us. Uh, but there's also a, uh, a link in our website to purchase our flour directly from us. Um, we are not doing shipping at this time. We do pickup only from Kieran's Kitchen in northeast Minneapolis. Uh, but if you live in the Twin Cities metro, uh, you can find our flour uh, on most of the co-op shelves. And 
um, even at some specialty stores uh, like Wiseacre or Mini Row in Hopkins. Right. Um, and, and so why is something like the uh, Artisan Grain Collaborative important for you? I know we're going to take a break, but uh, I want to give sure. a chance to shout out why is that ecosystem important? It's it's just it's a it's a pool of people that you can reach out to with literally any question, and it's getting bigger and bigger. And and these people are regional to the Midwest. And, a bigger and bigger grain uh, food shed. So we're gonna take a break. Thank you so much for your time, uh, Wes Gardner with Bakersfield Flour. We'll take a break and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, a student of permaculture, a person who knows cheap food is not cheap, and someone excited about the Artisan Grain Collaborative. So um, uh, in the studio with me is Keith Williams. He's a member of the Artisan Grain Collaborative. And uh, earlier we were joined uh, by um, uh, Beth and Mar- Mark Asgard, um, organic farmers, and Miller um, West Gardner with Bakersfield Flour. And Baker now is joining us as a baker. So growing grains milling grains, and then baking them. What a concept. So uh, joining us now is baker Michelle Huggins uh, with Dope Creations. Welcome to Food Freedom Radio. Thank you, Laura. Glad to be here. Oh, so glad to have you. So tell us a little bit about your story. Sure. So as you said, I am Michelle Huggins, the owner of Dope Creations. It's a small business established in 2018. Well, at least on paper, I'd say. I feel that the idea of being a my own boss has been bubbling inside me since conception, <laughs> but Dope Creations is a cottage bakery, and it's located in Granite Falls, and that's a couple hours west of the Twin Cities, and I focus on creating sourdough bread and other goods containing locally sourced ingredients. So what difference does the locally sourced ingredients make with the bread? Well, I grew up on the mantra that if you start out right, you end up right. So how that translates to my brand is that by using fresh or dope ingredients, I'll end up with a great tasting and high quality creation. So I just think it's really important to, um, you know, do the best with what you have around you. And, you know, there's wonderful things that are growing even in our backyards that we can utilize that taste fresh and you know where where it's coming from. And that's really important to me. And the name uh, Dope Creations is also a nod to hip-hop culture. Absolutely. I was a teen in the 90s, and music was my everything and still is. So, you know, I think that it's actually helped my cultures be so successful as well. Um, I just I incorporate music into my cooking and into my slap and fold process. And you can't tell me that it's not helping. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, when I do when I I like to do some big cooking jobs, the first thing is to get some good music on. Maybe clean. Yeah, I don't know. I um, so tell us a little bit about this neighbor loaf thing that kind of came about after COVID. That was a- Yeah, actually, it helped me 
during COVID, you know, you kind of lose that connection. Six feet seems like it's just, you know, a tall guy, but it seems like it can be miles away, right? So I was just losing that interaction with people. And I wanted to still share my wares in a safe space. And I knew that there were still people in need in my community who were visiting our local food shelf. So the Artisan Grain Collaborative contacted me and wanted to know if I wanted to be part of Neighbor Loaves, and I did not hesitate. So in the beginning, I was delivering um, about a dozen um, sourdough bowls to my local food shelf, the United Neighbors Resource Center here in Granite Falls. They serve about 450 um, people here in both Chippewa and Yellow Medicine counties. And just being able to create something in my home and get it out there just felt more of a connection than actually sitting down and talking to some people in in my own head. Um, And it it just helped me have that sense of community still and togetherness. Um, So now, as of this last Wednesday, uh, Dope Creations has donated over 700. I think I'm at about 730 to 750 loaves our local food shelf. Um, You know, granted, things have slowed down a little bit with me, and I'm not doing the whole dozen every week, but I'm definitely still providing um, and keeping them on the forefront of my mind when I'm baking. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, thanks for sharing that, Michelle. I just wanted to give a little bit more context, too. The Neighbor Loves program through the AGC was really something designed Um, to not only provide food to folks during the pandemic, but also support the bakers and the farmers that are producing these grains. And the way the program works is that um, the public can basically pay bakeries for a loaf of bread um, that would be baked and then donated, as Michelle was saying she's been doing. Um, But that that bread had to have at least 50% local stone ground flour. So the idea was a way for people to contribute to, to help during the pandemic but in a way that also um, provided some economic stability, not only to the bakers, but to the millers, all the way back to the the farmers that were producing these grains. You know, it wasn't just donating a bag of all-purpose flour from the market. Um, It had to connect all the way back through the food system. And that's so vital to get quality food for all people while building a a thriving ecosystem. Exactly. That's that's super, super cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Michelle, tell me, can people buy your products now? Where, where can they find more about you? Yes, I um, do sell my products locally. I also sell them nationwide. It's nice to be able to see um, our local grains uh, across the U.S. Currently, I have an Etsy site. It's dopecreations.etsy.com. I'm also at Farmer's Markets. And, you know, you can email me and request my products as well. So what does it mean to be a local baker using local grains um, and selling products? Um, To me, it kind of means everything. You know, with my background in corporate, when I came to this area um, almost a decade ago, I wasn't finding things in my wheelhouse. So as I mentioned earlier, I had to do the best I could with what was around me. So I feel like eating from the land that we walk on, we can um, respect it a little bit more. Um, we can be excited about the things that we can produce with our own hands. We can support our neighbors um, by, you know, buying their products. And I just think it's more healthful in general to um, 
eat a less processed product. A lot of people have, you know, gluten insensitivities. And I wondered why this kind of just seemed to be a, a new thing. So is it the chemicals that are being put into these, you know, products or is it the grain itself? And I'm just finding that, you know, people who are eating these sourdough breads aren't having some of the same problems that they're having, you know, should they buy loaves off of the shelf. I've heard that from other people as well. Um, so, um, um, Keith, did you want to jump in here with something? Yeah. Um, I thought, you know, Michelle, it might be kind of interesting to talk about, you know, you said you wanted uh, very fresh ingredients, but it's not always easy for people to get those. Um, we were just talking with Wes, who was, you know, describing what they do at Bakersfield and how people can get flour that way. But you grind your own, if I if I understand correctly, right? I do. So I purchase um, whole wheat berries from Astagard Farm. I believe you had Mark on earlier mm-hmm. from um, A-Frame Farm and Ben Pinner Farms. And usually I, I just go there. I pick up a couple hundred pounds of grain and I fresh mill as I bake. Um, so... You know, I, I just find that that even kind of elevates the quality by stone grounding on hand. I want to be able to do as much as I can myself in the process. Wow. And what type of feedback do you get from your customers for, I mean, you're doing local grains, hand stone ground bread. What kind of feedback do you get? Um, you know, people love it here, especially at the farmer's market, because we have that interaction to be able to describe the process a little bit more. Um, I think people purchasing online don't necessarily know exactly what I do, um, but it's exciting to me. I never thought that the city girl would be, you know, here having all of these cultures in my basement and stone grinding my own flour and, and making breads. It's, it's pretty amazing. Um, so people love it. They love that we're supporting each other here in the community. Um, and they love that they're getting a quality product that's good for them as well. Yeah, that, that's great. Um, earlier uh, in the intro, Laura was mentioning Kernza, and Michelle, you're going to be at the Kernza Fest on the 18th. Is that correct? That is correct. I'm super excited to be there. Um, you know, Kernza, gosh, just such an amazing, amazing thing. Um, I, you know, you think that you just have rye and you're doing something special, right? <laughs> but Kernza, um, yeah, I'll be at Kernza Fest. I, I think I'll have some sourdough bread, but what I think I'll focus on this time is a, a sweeter product since it's so versatile um, and do some, you know, some sort of sweet or a bar or something well, with Kernza. Unfortunately, we're down to our last minute. So I want to make sure people, if they want to, because um, they want to know more about the festival, uh, where can they learn about um, Kernza? a fest sure do you have that on hand keith yeah so um the best way would be to just google kerns a fest for one but it's through the lake pepin conservancy alliance they're the main host and they have a website that has more information about it right and that's a perennial grain correct which is super cool for the environment and very good for water and very good for people. So what a great show. I enjoyed you. Thank you so much, Michelle, um, for joining us with Dope Creations. Um, your website again? Dopecreations.etsy.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And thank you, Keith Williams, with the Artisan Grain Collaborative. You can get that at graincollaborative.com. Let's build a local food system from the ground up. A a food system that has little worms in the soil. Worms in the soil. (laughs) Very important to have worms in your soil. You're listening to Food Freedom Radio. Have an awesome week.